0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to another episode of the Madhouse Podcast. As always, I am your host, Mad Max. Today's episode is our ch- is our first chapter in the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, series that we have. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the first film in the series, uh, the original one, and I think that this film took a lot of people by surprise. It came out in t- uh, 2014 it um it really took a lot of people uh by surprise because at that time in 2014 you know their marvel had just had their mainstays you know they had already established a universe you know the avengers had already come out i think to be honest i think the first two avengers movies had already come out and uh they were going to go in another direction and they wanted to go in another direction And so James Gunn was asked to direct, I think he, believe he wrote and directed this film and put together a pretty unique cast. Uh, If I do say so myself, you have uh, Chris Pratt leading the charge, Dave Bautista, Chris Pratt, Dave Bautista, Zoe Saldana, and then we got the voice actors of, of uh, Bradley Cooper and Vin Diesel. And then of course our main villain played by Lee Pace and everything like that. And this was actually, a lot of people don't know that this was actually the first time uh, in this. It was the first time in... Uh, I'm not sure how long, but it was the first time we we got our first look at Josh Brolin as, uh, as Thanos. And so everything about this film was uniquely different in a lot of ways. And it was something far-fetched. You know, we had never left... Uh, we had never been to outer space as far as the m c u was concerned. This film is basically about a group of a group of nobodies trying to come together to stop a common enemy basically and everything like that so it was a surprise to me that they were able to pull this off in such a very entertaining way in such a real a real type of you know a unique way i should say and um I think that kind of comes off. Uh, uniquely, in a way that is both charming, entertaining, but it doesn't take away the 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 mainstays of what made the Marvel Cinematic Universe at that time entertaining. Yes, it was a it was a far stretch. It was a it was a hell of a reach. Yes, it was something different, but they did it anyway. They introduced us to Chris Pratt as Star Lord, Peter Quill. We have Gamora played by Zoe Zaldana. We have Drax the Destroyer played by Dave Batista. Uh, Rocket the raccoon, played by Bradley Cooper, and then of course Groot the living tree, played by Vin Diesel, and I think all these characters were so unique, in you know really kind of putting together uh, a unique team. I think in in a in a real kind of small a small innocent type of way, everybody kind of had their own backstory, with the exception of of um, with the exception of Groot. Uh you get most of his backstory from uh you know, from Rocket Raccoon and everything like that. You know, he don't he only knows how to say three things and uh things like that. We're we're right off the bat we're dropped into the world of the Guardians of the Galaxy with the um uh with the character of Peter Quill. Uh, you know, his Rocky relationship on Earth, uh, with the passing of his mother and all this other stuff and everything like that. And it's a real tragic moment that You know, he hates to see his mother in the the condition that she's in, knowing that, you know, she may not make it out, and unfortunately she doesn't. Um, And uh, it's a real type of moment. And then right after that, he's abducted uh, by extraterrestrials, even though that's what they made it seem, and stuff like that. I thought that was kind of cool. But we're given a pretty unique story, a unique backstory of the character of Peter Quill. And I don't think... I thought that was unique in a way because it wasn't, it's not necessarily uncommon by, by any means. Uh, uh, it's, you know, it's a tragedy that, you know, most of us, uh, I, I dare say that none of us would ever have to go through, let alone a, uh, an 11-year-old boy, you know, losing his mother and not really having a father there to begin with and things like that. And it was, it was, it was saying something, man. It really was. It really kind of set the tone for where this film was going to go. And then we see Peter Quill as we know him now. And there's that great opening moment. Uh, you know, when he's looking for, um, when he's looking for the, uh, the orb, which turns out to be one of the six infinity stones. And that's a great moment in it itself. And, uh, It's a cool little moment that, you know, that iconic moment from the movie when he said, there's another name you might know me by, Star-Lord. Who? (laughs) And I thought, I remember seeing that in the trailer and I was like, yeah, this is going to be different. And, you know, it had the humor that the MCU is known for, but, you know, it just, I think it's because it's the first kind of, it's that first dose of like a space odyssey, so to speak. You know, it's kind of like... A, you know, a little bit like Star Wars, but not really, but like, somebody said it was like a Star Wars movie just set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and that kind of just, that was just a ridiculous take, book because, you know, I think Star Wars is its own thing, but at the same time, you know, it's not that far-fetched, you know, it could be something different and unique, and it did its job of being both entertaining and both heartwarming at the same time. I think, uh, we get a lot of it from these little moments, like uh, when when they're caught on Sekar. No, they're not on Sakar They're on Nova. So when they get caught, all get caught on Nova. John C. Riley actually says that you know he kind of gives them a rundown of who they are, and Gamora is genetically genetically modified to be the perfect killer and everything like that, which I thought was kind of cool. And then there's another moment when we when they're in uh uh when they're in prison, and you get a little bit of back that's where we first meet Drax the Destroyer. we get a little bit of backstory on him, and we realize that you know he lost his wife and daughter uh at the hands of Thanos and everything like that and then there's a moment when all of the guardians are at like this bar they're about to meet uh the collector they're about to meet the collector and I thought the collector was going to be the main villain of this film, and I thought, I think that was one of my more disappointing moments of the of the of the MCU entirely, because you know we should have gotten. I think the collector should have been a much more menacing villain than he actually was, and actually made more appearances in more of these movies. Like, yeah, he makes he makes an appearance at the end of Thor: The Dark World, which is kind of what leads us into Guardians of the Galaxy. And in a sense and everything like that. And, you know, we see him, he's given a great, a great introduction and a great small performance, you know, from Benicio Del Toro and everything like that. But overall, I thought that character should have gotten a much, much, uh, he should have gotten his own chance to kind of helm a movie as the villain, you know, and everything like that. That would have been cool to see. But, um, you know, it is what it is. And I thought Benicio Del Toro did an amazing job bringing that character to life. And um, that was one of the things that I couldn't really understand why they would kind of go that route. But at the same time, you know, I guess they wanted to set up for something else. So I think, in like I said, in, like I said earlier in this film, we get our first look at Josh Brolin's Thanos because it had already been announced by then that Josh Brolin was going to bring Thanos to uh, the big screen and everything like that. So, you know, that being said, you know, there was the anticipation is there. The anticipation is real, the hype, you know, everything about Chris, uh, everything about Josh Brolin was, you know, going to be all over the place because, you know, he was going to be the big baddie and everything like that. But the Guardians of the Galaxy film really, really hinders on the fact of the importance of, you know, family. When you don't, it kind of drives home the fact, it'll, you know, very similar to other movies like, uh, um... Um... See now I can't even think of one right now actually. Um I guess movies like uh like aliens uh where this you know these people who have really lost everything and you know they're trying to do everything to kind of get it back and everything like that but they kind of form this like ragtag or kind of like zombieland you know this group of people come together and they really uh they really kind of uh they really kind of, you know, get their backs, and they kind of go, they all have personal issues that they're kind of dealing with, and they all have these, you know, uh, heartbreaking stories of despair and loss and everything like that, and, you know, they're really, at the end of the day, the, the person that they can rely on is each other, and there's that great moment at the end of the movie when, um, when, uh, when, uh, when Peter Quill, they all, they're, they're fighting, uh, Ronan the Accuser, played by Lee Pace at the end, and he touches the Infinity Stone, he touches the, uh, the orb, basically, the, the, the Power Stone is what they call it, and, um... And, you know, he's holding on to it, and usually whoever it touches, because we saw earlier in the movie when we're introduced to uh, the collector that when somebody touches it, it, you know, turns them into shreds. It rips them, it rips them to shreds, but Peter Quill is able to hold on to it. And there's this great moment when Gamora reaches out and says, you know, take my hand, and they all they all kind of, you know, touch each other and because they're holding it together. And it's this is a great moment that when they're all together that um, – that, you know, the stone doesn't actually rip them apart. It actually makes them stronger and they're able to use that power to to eliminate Ronan the Accuser. It reminded me of one particular scene in the movie Signs. When, when in the movie Signs, when they're using the baby monitor to, you know, you know uh, get the signal and attract attention and everything like that, when all four family members are touching, the signal is there. And then, you know, it kind of, goes away after a while that's you know that that was what i instantly got in that moment when rocky and drax and um and all those guys and all the guardians kind of stick together in that one moment it's a great film from beginning to end i really enjoyed that first guardians of the galaxy film i especially love the soundtrack i was blown away by how cool that 70s 80s rock music you know of the of the uh of the time and everything like that because Peter Quill grew up in that time on earth and everything like that it was able it was able to kind of come full circle that's one of the things i can really take away from both from the first two guardians of the galaxy films that they always had a banging soundtrack the movie opens with a great uh musical number and everything like that so that was kind of cool to be honest my only gripe about this movie would probably be the weak villain performance from Lee Pace. He's a bit over the top in this film, but he is menacing. Uh, I will give him that. He is menacing in a way that is both, uh, both over the top yet entertaining. You know, he's entertaining to an extent, but um, not that entertaining. So uh, the, you know, it, he had to have done something right because they did bring him back in they did bring him back in uh in uh captain marvel his character does return in captain marvel and everything like that so i thought you know like i said he had to have done something right in order to kind of come back so to speak and uh stuff like that but overall i think this movie really was you know something to worth something worth watching it was something that kind of took a lot of people by surprise because at the time You know, the MCU wanted to go in another direction. They felt they were kind of getting slated because they just did three Iron Man films, two Captain Americas, two Thors, two Avengers. It was kind of telling the same story, so to speak. So for them to kind of reach out and go beyond the stars, you know, and try to tell this kind of sci-fi epic, it it really paid off for both of them. I think James Gunn did an amazing job with this film. Um, I thought his... uh, his writing and directing was really, really uh, satisfying for this film. Um, the cast was great. You know, they had an amazing chemistry. Like I said, I think the only thing this film suffers from is the fact that, you know, it, it doesn't really have a strong villain performance. And at that time, you know, Marvel was really struggling with the villains because at that time, honestly, the only good villains performance that we had at the time were um, uh, Obadiah thing and... Uh, And obviously Loki and everything like that. But, you know, Josh Brolin was in the movie, but he wasn't in it long enough to kind of have that lasting power. It wasn't Infinity War, Josh Brolin. You know, we were getting just the early stages of it. It was the first time we actually saw what he would look like. And it was the first time we actually saw, you know, what he would sound like, you know, what his motivations are. As a matter of fact, that scene when, you know, he's confronted by Ronan the Accuser. And um, it's a gr- that's a very powerful moment because you just understand where this guy is coming from when he says, um, "I will honor our agreement if you bring me the orb, but return to me again empty-handed, and I will bathe the stallways in your blood." I was like, "That is a menace. That is a much more menacing villain than Ronan is," and the, the and you know they set him up to kind of be like the next baddie for the Guardians of the Galaxy, but he's really not, he's supposed to be, a, he's the bad guy for all of the Avengers and everything like that, so that was kind of cool to see that, you know, the the, the first stage of him, the first, uh, the first glance at him, the look at him, and, you know, it, it didn't disappoint, you know, it really didn't, and, you know, there was a lot riding on it, because obviously it's, a, Marvel's putting a lot of money and effort into this type of film, and this type of storyline, and, you know, even though Josh Brolin was only in that one scene in the movie, um, it really kind of goes to show you that, man, these guys are just... Um, these guys are going all in and really trying to make this all connect in some type of weird, unique way. And, of course, leave it to, to uh, the the wacky writing of of... I wouldn't say wacky, but the interesting writing of James Gunn to kind of bring it all together and everything like that. So that was interesting to say... I think he was a good pick to kind of helm the film and everything like that. So, you know, he they they're doing something right. They did they they got off on the right foot and they were able to go that extra mile and really kind of bring the Guardians home uh to 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 uh to uh to uh, to, to the big screen and everything like that. And because a lot of people thought that that the MCU was done, you know, they're going to bring a talking tree into this and everything like that and even though Vin Diesel says one really one word in this entire thing he's so endearing to the audience that um it's just like you know he he's kind of the heart and soul of the of the of the group you know even though he's so he's the big strong guy but yet he holds just because he only says these three words I am Groot it carries over and everything like that and it was such a great performance from From both of them. And then Rocket Raccoon is incredible. And the idea that. You know Drax the Destroyer is supposed to be this badass. But yet he's kind of like this. Not a bumbling idiot. But like an idiot to to say the least. And everything like that. Everything about this film was unique. From the storytelling. The chemistry with the main characters. Everything that they did. The writing. The directing. The visuals. All of it really hit a home run out of the park. And you know. We the audience couldn't wait to see more of the Guardians of the Galaxy. And it it didn't disappoint. That first film did not disappoint. You know, it was, they, Marvel really gambled with it and it really paid off for them in the long run and everything like that. And I thought it, it it really was an amazing film and it really was a good way to introduce something different into the MCU and everything like that. So my hats off go to Kevin Feige and James Gunn for bringing us a very good film. Uh, but, anyways, guys, that's gonna go ahead and do it for today's episode. If you like the episode, be sure to follow the podcast on all podcast outlets, whether it's Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Google Play, Odyssey, Reddit, wherever you get your podcast from. Be sure to follow the podcast on all social media outlets, Instagram and Twitter. The Madhouse Twenty um, One. Let me know what you guys thought about the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Did you Did you enjoy it? Uh, where do you rank it in the MCU films? Uh, where do you rank it within the Guardians of the Galaxy films? Uh, are you excited for Guardians of the Galaxy 3? Let me know. Whatever the case may be, let me know. Instagram and Twitter, The Madhouse 21 uh, Be on the lookout for more episodes as they come out. Uh, like I said, we're going to uh, cover Volume 2 uh, sometime this week. And then sometime this weekend, uh, we're going to go see Volume 3 in the theater. And you'll guys definitely get my review for that film. Uh, in the long run, we are covering some other films that did happen to hit uh, uh, early viewings on the streaming services. I did not see these other films in the theater which like I wanted to, but I did see them eventually. So we'll definitely be on the lookout for that, be on the lookout for anything and everything that comes out of this podcast. Uh, and of course, as always, guys, be sure to embrace your inner madness.